moment or two. But, um, right, how many senses do we have? Five senses. Sight, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching. Of those five, which do you think you use the most for accurate information gathering? Precision. Sight? Everybody agree? Sight? I was just thinking as I was driving over here this evening how much I was using my sight. and Well, I did keep my eyes open, promise. Um, <laughs> and how much information I was processing all at the same time. You know, speeds, velocity, velocities, distances. Kept an eye on the kept an eye on the um, speedometer and the clock. Getting worried about that. Um, ever such a lot of information coming in through my eyes. Okay. Which of our senses would you be le- of your senses would you be least likely to use if you were a bit suspicious about something? Hmm? Taste? Any, 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 anybody agree with taste? Yeah. yeah? Any different ideas? Touch? Yeah? I think I go with taste. I agree with you. I think taste. You know, um, when you see, look at something, it hardly, hardly, nothing goes in, does it? It doesn't touch your body. Only electromagnetic radiation going in through your uh, pupils and impinging on your retina and sending signals. <laughs> So nothing actually really, apart from electromagnetic radiation, is entering your body. You're, you're distant from it. Um, sound, about the same, but it's, it's, it's movement of air. So that's, that's about as, you're about the same distance really from that. Not much, not much more. Um, smell. Well, molecules are going up your nostril and being absorbed into the mucous membranes of your, no- of your nostril and sending off signals uh, in your nose. So something's going in a little bit at least, isn't it? And, you know, but at least then you can sneeze it, you can sneeze it out. Um, touch. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Some of us don't like touching things, do we? You know, touch. But taste, you know, that's really going in, isn't it? It's really, you know, and you want to be sure before you put anything in your mouth. Don't want to eat any, you know. So imagine you would imagine um, imagine someone gave you a bowl of ice cream and you've never ever seen ice cream in your life. Anybody here never seen ice cream in their life? <laughs> and it wasn't a cold night like this, and, and you looked at it and you thought that looks a bit strange. What's you know? It's all kind of is it? What is it? It's all kind of is it solid? Is it liquid? It's cold. You look at it, and someone says to you, "It's ice cream." Well, what's ice cream? It's delicious. It's lovely. So you look at it. You might touch it. You might sniff it. I don't think there's any point listening to it. And eventually, if you're persuaded that it's safe, you'll taste it. Yeah? And then you'll discover, why did nobody ever give me ice cream before? Well, there's a very, very interesting verse in... Psalm 34, verse 8, says this. Oh, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts who, who trusts in him. Putting together two different senses. Because we we often say see, don't we, for understand. See what I mean? I mean, even blind people sometimes say, Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, I see. What they mean is I understand, because it's kind of such precise information. Oh, I see. Taste and see. Use the sense that is most invasive, most intimate, most trusting, so that you will see, understand, perceive, really know that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him enough to taste. You understanding this? You see what I'm saying? The person who really knows what God is like, who really knows how good God is, is the person who is trusted enough to taste. Taste. Now I reckon there are some people here who have looked at Christianity, looked at Jesus for years. But you don't yet know how good he is. You don't yet really see, really understand just how truly wonderful and good and kind and powerful and forgiving the Lord Jesus is. Just how worthwhile he is to follow. How much he deserves our complete dedication uh, to him. And it's only when we trust enough to taste that we discover how good the Lord Jesus Christ actually is. And I just long, it's something from this evening or maybe from this morning or next Sunday or whenever, but don't leave it too long, um, will make you say, yeah, I've been looking, I've been looking all my life. I've been kind of seeing, it's been around me. Jesus has been around me ever since I was born, perhaps for some of you. But now I really want to taste I really want to trust him enough to give my life to him, to dedicate myself to him and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my saviour, my Lord, because I really want to know what you're like. And then you will discover how good the Lord actually is. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Not just knows things about him, but trusts in him enough to test. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, thank you so much that you are good. We, we, we know that certainly from the Bible. We, we sort of know that just from looking at the world around about us because this is a good world. Even though we've spoiled it so much, it is still so good. You give us so many good things to enjoy. There is so much to, to sustain life. You're so kind. We thank you. And, and we can see that with, in, to, to some extent, but we don't really fully perceive and really understand until we, we taste, until we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for ourselves. And then we discover just how wonderful you are. And thank you that so many of us here this evening have done that. 
and would say, yes, the Lord is good. The Lord is kind. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is just. The Lord is righteous. Please help us all to do that, Lord, to hunger after you, the desire to know you, to know the truth about you, not just with ideas, thoughts, songs and, and words that we're very familiar with, but with real personal experience, trusting ourselves to you forever. Work among us, O oh God, please, by your Holy Spirit. No, one, no person can do that for us, only, only you. Please open up our minds, our hearts, our wills to trust in you and know your goodness, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's sing, sing again, shall we? Number 29 in the supplement book this time. Um, there is a hope. We're going to be thinking about going to be with Jesus one day as well um, this evening. There is a hope that burns within my heart. Number 29. turn into John chapter 14 just the first few verses of that chapter um, as I said I kind of I prepared this for Greenwich but I didn't really because I I don't know that didn't know the church at Greenwich 
uh, the people at Greenwich. So I, when I was preparing, I was actually thinking about you. <laughs> I, like to, I like to have people in my mind as I'm preparing talks and I sort of know some of you a bit and I've uh, been here once or twice. Um, and so um, I kind of actually prepared it more for you really. In fact, it's strange because at Greenwich this morning I, I said to them, I said, I have, do have connections with this church. I said, back in 1979, I led an evangelistic team working in Greenwich. And I said, was anybody here alive in 1979? And none of them were. None of them were. They, they're all in their 30s or 20s. Um, a small group, but they're all, they're all very young uh, and led you know, a very young church. Um, anyway, it's lovely to be with them, very, very multicultural uh, group of people. Um, but these are some of the most beautiful statements in the whole of the Bible, aren't they, that we have in front of us here. Do not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Um, we're going to see some things here um, about fellowship, about faith, and about the future. Uh, but it's all permeated by and set really focused it in upon and cent- centralised on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's fellowship with Jesus faith in Jesus and the future with Jesus and I think I've already said really what I would like to come out of this for all of us including most certainly including myself that is that we should hunger for fellowship with Jesus because that is really what the disciples were where the disciples were at and why they just didn't want him to go that's why they were distressed um, that we should have faith in Jesus because that is what he calls them to trust, you trust in God, trust also in me and that we should hope for a future with Jesus because that is what he promises here so first of all then hunger for fellowship with Jesus let not your heart be troubled the cause of their anxiety is quite clear from the context of this, 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 in, this statement of the Lord Jesus it was he was going to go away and they didn't really, didn't really understand where he was going um, but they knew he was going and he said they couldn't come with him and that must have been immensely distressing for them they'd spent three years shall we say with him closely they'd left their homes their families their businesses to spend that time with him and now he's saying he's going to go away and leave them and they can't come with him and it must have been enormously distressing for them as we read at the end of chapter 13 Simon Peter said to him Lord where are you going? and Jesus said where I'm going you cannot follow me you cannot follow me now but you shall follow me afterward Peter said Lord why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Such was his, well, what he thought at least. He was a bit over-ambitious, or very over-ambitious, wasn't he? 
thought too highly of himself, but he, he, was in, he, he thought he would lay down his life. We have to suppose he was kind of being as sincere as he knew how to be. He was wrong. He, he misjudged himself badly, tragically. But he did obviously felt very, very committed to Jesus and would have liked to have been the person who would have laid down his life for him. But he wasn't that good. He was a sinner, same as you and me. But they wanted to be with him, you see. And Peter voiced it, as was so often the case. Peter said what others were thinking. Uh, he, he, he voiced it. And Jesus knew they all felt the same, because the your, do not let your heart be troubled, is plural. Do not let your heart be, be troubled. Um, because you're all going to miss me. But don't let your heart be troubled over this. Let me ask you a question. How would you feel if a whole hour went past in a day where you were not aware of the presence of the Lord Jesus with you? And you might think, David, that is a very silly question. Because sometimes... A half a day goes by. I'm not aware of the presence of the Lord Jesus with me. Perhaps some of us would say, sometimes a whole day goes past and I've not given him a thought. I wanted to be troubled by that. Say, I really want to be the person. I want my Christian life. I want my life day by day to be filled with a desire for the Lord Jesus. I know there are going to be times when I'm just so, so busy. I'll come back to that in a moment. But um, I, I want to be aware. I want to be at least wanting to know his nearness. I want to be at least wanting to be consciously thinking about him when I can, when I have the headspace to do so. I want to hunger after fellowship. You know, fellowship, sharing, being with, doing the same sort of thing as someone else. I, I want my life to look like that. Someone who walks with Jesus day by day in all the ordinary things of life. Now their situation was different from ours. They saw him, they heard him, they could touch him. Uh, and we, we're not in that position. We've, we've never been in that position. So their sense of loss was, was very, very strong. But may it be for us also that any hour that goes by that we haven't been aware of the Lord Jesus, we feel we've missed out. So we really want to, as much as we can, walk with him consciously day by day. The desire to be involved with what he's doing. The desire to be thinking the way he thinks. To be assessing life in the way he has taught us to do. To be relating to people in the way that he would relate to people in our position. To walk with him day by day. To be involved in what he's doing in the world today. To be as close to him as we can in our individual situations. Mediated by the work of the Holy Spirit by feeding on his word and by being involved with fellow believers. Once you have 
tasted the best. Nothing else is good enough. Once you've received Jesus' teaching, nothing else quite hits the spot. Back in chapter 6, at the height of Jesus' popularity, when massive crowds were following him, he started teaching some things that were actually really quite difficult to grasp. They still are quite difficult to understand. And we read that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Not the inner twelve, but the wider Some of them did. Some of them started drifting away. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, it was Peter again, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, Jesus knew that their real anxiety was to lose him. They so valued him, and particularly they mentioned his words, your words of eternal life. They so valued him that the thought of leaving him and just going back to ordinary life was just, well, it was unthinkable. Where, Where else would we go? Who else can feed us like you do? Who else can speak as you do? Who else can show us the right way as you do? Who else can love like you do? Where are we supposed to go? There's nowhere. He was so aware that this anxiety on their part of losing him, that he addressed that very subject in this chapter, chapter chapter 14, and chapter 15, and chapter 16 of John's Gospel, right on the night that he was about to be, be arrested himself. And he's thinking about them, how they're going to react because he so understood how they felt about him. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. Now I'll come to the future aspect of that in a moment or two. But let's think about the present uh, features of this. Because that word mansions, as you know our English translations are translated from Greek, well that word mansions is only used twice in the New Testament. And they are both in this chapter uh, of John's Gospel, both in John 14. And that must be significant, mustn't it? And the other occasion in which it's used is verse 23, where we read this. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And that word home there. Is the same word as mansions in um, in verse one. Um, we use the phrase sometimes we you room with someone. You know, maybe some of you did when you were, or maybe some of you younger ones do now, or some of you did others did when you were younger. Room with someone, share a room with someone, like digs or something like that, lodgings, a university or working away from home or whatever. You room with someone. Um, we will make our home with him. So he's talking about the here and now. In in our verses, he's actually talking about the future, but he also used the same word to talk about the here and now. We will come and make our home with you in this world now, in this life now. If you love me and you obey my words, the Father Father and I, we will come and live with you here and now. 
You can have fellowship with us now. We will, we will be your, we will dwell with you right here and now in this life. Oh, walk with Jesus now. If they obey his words, the Father and the Son, and we understand from the other comments in the chapters, actually by the presence of the Holy Spirit, will live with you here and now. Jesus is not just a character from history. He's not just a person in a book. He's not just someone about whom many stories are told. He's not just a life-changing teacher. But he is a living person whom we can know day by day to have fellowship with him and experience his presence and walk with him in a living, real way because he has made his home with us here on earth, now, in this life. And we should hunger for that. Because that is fulfilling, that is making us what we should be. That is filling up the gaps in our, in our experience. For them, they were afraid of losing touch with Jesus. You know, where was he going? What was he going to do? Why can't we go with him? Is he deserting us? Is he going to be defeated? Is this the end of it all? Is it all over? What will become of us? And perhaps for Peter, especially, specifically, who, who Jesus said, you're going to deny you even knew me. Perhaps these questions as well. Or this question as well. Have I been so bad that he will reject me? Is that the end of our relationship? Even if others, even if others somehow or other see him, is that the end of it for me? Because I've just let him down so badly. I expect some of us have felt like that at times. Is that it now? Is it over? Have I just been too bad now? Either I can't start walking with him, or he's just going to cut me off now. I wonder whether Peter must have thought that. Well, in answer to all of that, Jesus said, Trust me. Trust me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. So what we need to do is to learn to trust just as they needed to learn. To trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Let, your, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Well, it could be a double it could be a double command, believe in God, believe also in me, or it could be a statement, you believe in God, and a command, believe also in me. But for sure, it was a command. Trust me. Believe in me. Trust me. I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm not going to my father's house just for myself. I've not had enough of life on this earth and I'm going back home. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not giving up on you. Trust in me. I'm going to do something for you. I'm not just escaping. I'm not escaping. Because in fact he was going to his father's house via the cross. This wasn't a holiday. He was going to die as if he were a sinner. He was going to die at the hands of violent and wicked men. He would die in darkness. Bearing God's judgment against the sins of his people. 
And one of the ways that we can experience walking with Jesus day by day is to meditate upon his word, isn't it? And I, <clears throat> I would suggest we try to do that. To, you know, because life is busy and, and you can't always be consciously thinking about Jesus all the time. It just doesn't work for many people with a really stressful job. But what you can do is you can take his word and, you know, well, make a note. Memorise it. Even, high tech, use a pen and paper. Put it in your pocket. And then, when you do have opportunity, mull it over. Think it through. Meditate upon it. And so treasure his words of eternal life that actually you have that sense afresh of walking with Jesus, knowing how he thinks about things, what he's said about things, how he would behave in that given situation. And here's a worked example of how they could have done that with these very words of Jesus in the next few hours that are about to come to pass. He was going to die as if he were a sinner. And how were they going to cope with that? You believe in God believe also in me trust in me I go to prepare a place for you so when he's arrested trust me I'm going to prepare a place for you at his trial why doesn't he speak up why doesn't he defend himself why doesn't he call for a host of angels to come and take him away and rescue him trust me I'm going to prepare a place for you. As he wearily carries his cross and needs to be relieved of his burden, almost broken down by the torture that is suffered, trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. As they hammer the nails, he threw his flesh into the cross. Trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when darkness descends at the midst of the day and all is terrifyingly frightening, trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when he breathes his last, and he didn't rescue himself from death, what's he doing? What's he doing? Why does he let this happen? What did he say? Trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And as they bury him, and roll the stone across the entrance. And it feels like everything is over and done and finished and destroyed. Dreams are wrecked. Hopes are dashed. Trust me. I've gone to prepare a place for you in my father's house where there are many mansions. That's how to meditate on God's word, isn't it? 
And they needed that just in those next few hours of such desolation. What did he say? Trust me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And all through that agonizingly silent Saturday, trust me, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Now, we're not in their position, but we have to trust him too. You know, Jesus, why does it feel like you've deserted me? Jesus, sometimes why does it feel like you're so far away? Jesus, why is the church so small? Why are we making so little impact in the world? Why is our country turning away from you like it is? Trust me. Trust me. Jesus, have I been so bad now? Have I slammed the door behind me this time too hard? And it will never be opened again. Trust me, I've prepared a place for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in Jesus. And it's an act of the will, isn't it? Do not let. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. It's an act of the will. It's an act of the mind. It's an act of faith. To think through what we believe and to work it out into, into our own emotions and our own actions when our hearts are troubled. Put your faith into action. Faith is the remedy for fear. Learn, we need to learn to apply the words of eternal life when we are feeling dead. But also, it's not just believe in God, you know. It's Jesus here is not sort of saying, well, there's God and there's me, and, and, you know, you believe in God, well, you've also got to believe in me, although I'm not God. That's not, absolutely not what he's saying, because other things he says here, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you have, do know him and you have seen him. He said, I and the Father are one. Um, Lord, how do we know where you are going, and how do we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's, He's saying, what he's saying in effect is here, believe in the, the true God who is my Father. Believe in the God who sent Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's, it's not a generic God, whichever one you want. It's this God, the true God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God who is one with his Son, the Lord Jesus. Trust in this God and trust in Jesus who went to death and suffered for our sins. So, hunger for fellowship with him have faith use faith in him in day to day living in the struggles and distresses that we face and then thirdly (coughs) hope for a future with Jesus and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also in verse 23 we saw where he said that they would the father and he would come and make their home with us but here in this verse he says you will be with me 
So in the here and now, he is here with us where we are. But in the future, we will be with him where he is. Today, the prince comes to visit you in your home. Tomorrow, he takes you to be with him in his home, the palace. And there's plenty of room. My father's house has many rooms, many mansions. Now, we see him by faith. We taste and we see, but we don't see him yet with our eyes. We taste, we taste, we believe, we trust, we see by faith. But we don't yet see him with our eyes. But one day when he comes to fetch us and take us home, we will see him with our eyes. We will see his face. We will be with him in his, his home, in his glorious, glorious home. And it will not be that anguished face that the disciples saw on the cross Going, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? As he was carrying their sins on, in his body on the tree. But it will be his glorious face. Not even the face that they saw when he would risen from the dead. Still on earth. But his glorious face in heaven. Forever and forever. But the only way to get there is because he goes to prepare a place for us. There's no other way. So, let us make sure we do trust him. Taste and see. Trust. Believe. And comfort our hearts in all our troubles. Comfort our guilty consciences. Comfort our deepest fears. of rejection. With his love. With his work believe that there is a home in the universe. I know when, before I became a Christian, I kind of believed that there, I couldn't see there was any home in the universe. It was all just empty. Just empty. There was no one at home. There was no one in control. There was no palace anywhere from which any instructions could be given. But let's comfort ourselves with this. There is a home. There is a home. There is a palace from which instructions are given. There is a father. Our father. If we trust in the Lord Jesus. And there is a home to go to. And you are headed that way if you belong to Jesus now. If he is living with you now where you are, one day he will come. And take you to be with him where he is. And that will either be when we die. Or it will be when he returns. He will fetch us. And you don't have to find your own way. Because he will come and get you. When I, when I went to Greenwich this morning. I, um, I went by public transport. And um, I used two apps to find the way. I used Google Maps. And I used um, City Mapper. Quite often use both both of them just to you know check make sure none none of them is making any mistakes around here. Um, anyway, they both more or less said exactly the same was the best route to take. So I went by train to Lewisham, then I got on the DLR at Lewisham. But here's the difference: Google said, 
get off at Deptford Bridge and walk on. And City Mapper said, stay on to Greenwich Station and walk back. So I had a look at the map, map that they showed, and I thought, I think it's better to get off at Deptford Bridge and walk on. So I went with Google. And so when I got off the station, of course, I didn't know which way I was facing. For a start, you know, I walk that way, I walk that way, and I started walking the wrong way, but then, you know, that little blue thing? That little blue thing was pointing that way, and I thought, I've got to swim around, so I walked the other way. And it was only a very short distance, it was fine. But the little, little Google lady, Mrs. Google, was telling me what to do, step by step. And so I, I got my way to the, to the chapel very, very easily, as it happens. But um, what a difference it would have been if, if someone from that church, and I wasn't expecting, wouldn't expect any church to do this, but if someone from that church had rung me up and said, how are you getting here to, uh, tomorrow? I said, oh, I'm coming by, you know, Google. Um, they said, don't worry. You know, I said, I don't know whether to get off a debt for Bridge or Greenwich, and they would say, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll, we'll meet you at Lewisham. And we'll escort you. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> they didn't do it. And I wouldn't expect them to either. But it would have been nice. It would have made all the difference. We don't, we don't know the way. We, the, we do not know how to get to heaven on our own. Because we can't. There is no map. We don't have any, any electricity in our tank when ULES comes. We don't have any, any fuel. We don't have the capacity. Jesus says, I will come and I will take you. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I will come and fetch you. Maybe if I'm still visiting you when I'm squeaking around on a Zimmer frame, I think it's very, very unlikely. But maybe, I hope you'll have a pastor by then. Um, long before then. But maybe if I am still visiting you and I'm slipping around on a, on a Zimmer frame, some will say, we'll meet you in the car park over the road and help this poor old man across. Well, one day, Jesus, who has already opened up the way, has done all the work for us, has gone to prepare a place for us. One day he will come to us where we are in our weakness in our desperate need he will take us home what a wonderful hope that is to these disciples who were in utter dismay at this point do not let your hearts be troubled you trust in God trust in me my father's house has many mansions I am going to prepare a place for you. Hunger for fellowship with Jesus now. Don't live an empty, lonely, dark life. There is fulfilment. There is forgiveness. There is peace. There is joy. There is Jesus hunger for him if you don't already know him call out to him the ice cream is really nice 
hunger for him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have faith in him. It's the only way to overcome the darkness within and the despair that we feel. Have faith in Jesus. And have a living hope. For one day this closest and best of all friends is going to come and meet you where you are and take you to his palace where you will be with him 